0: This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal.
1: I've got a question for you. Crowds, crowds of people. What's a crowded situation you've been in? A sporting event, a concert or jam-packed party. We'll get to that, but first, welcome to the Very Bold Radio and Podcast. I am Steve Teal, host and also president of Very Bold. Sounds so official. Often we have inspirational interviews with difference makers like NHL hockey players, Rocco Grimaldi, Jordan Bennington, two of my very favorites, singers like Rocco's wife, Abby Grimaldi, Mandisa, Pat Barrett, Wounded Warrior and author J.P. Lane, author Candace Curry, many, many others. Oh, let me tell you, though, next Thursday, I don't want you to miss. You'll tune in, and you'll catch American Ninja Warrior Daniel Gill. I love this show. I could not do it to save my life. I could not do one obstacle. I would fall on the first one. But this guy is an incredible athlete, and he's a super strong Christian, and I can't wait to catch up with him. He just had his best finish ever for American Ninja Warrior. He came about this close to winning a million dollars. It was down to him and one other Ninja Warrior, and he just barely lost out. But it was incredible. This guy is is awesome. I'm also working on a possible interview, and I don't want to jinx it by saying, but I'm going to go ahead and say it so I can ask your prayers. I really want to interview Lee Nash from Sixpence, None the Richer, um, and we're working on that, working on some details. So it's not not a done deal yet. And many more interviews coming I'm really excited about But we don't just do encouraging interviews. We also work in the mix. What I hope is encouraging as well and inspirational, the Simple Man Bible Study, which I kind of like to think of in some ways as an interview with Jesus. I like to ask questions of the Bible and get a different perspective. Now, what we've been doing, if you go back, you'll know, is we've been looking through the perspective of Simon Peter, who definitely was a Simple Man And yes, I'm a simple man, but the Simple Man Bible study is not just for simple men. It is for youth, for children, for women. It is for anybody who wants to experience the power of God, sometimes in a simple way. So yes, I'm a simple man. Give me a donut. I'm happy for 24 hours. Give me two. Oh, man, I'm happy for 48. No problem. No problem. All right. So come on in. Let's discover the power of Jesus together. Like I said, you have to go back a ways. August 15th was the last Simple Man Bible study we did. We talked about Simon Peter's perspective as Jesus healed people. We talked about physical healing. Specifically, we talked about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. We imagined and entered the story what it might have been like that day. We broke Jesus' healings down into five categories. And uh, I use acronym power. Because I'm a Simple Man, it's the way I can remember these things, you know? The word is SUPER. And bonus points in the form of virtual donuts. If you can remember any of the five, super, S-U-P-E-R. First of all, you get a virtual donut if you can spell today. Good job. All right. S is for spiritual healing. This is the most important. This is the one that Jesus was most concerned about. Reconciliation with him. Reconciliation with God the Father. Forgiveness of sins. Eternal life. This is the number one healing. Then comes U. The letter U is for healing of your understanding of God. We're going to see Simon Peter is going to get that later. That is something we all need. We have misunderstandings of who God is, about his grace, and so we need that healing of our understanding. P is for physical healing. That's what we usually think of, of course, and that's phenomenal. Jesus used that to get people's attention, but he always wanted to get it get their attention to point them to that spiritual healing. E is for emotional healing. And if you didn't catch the previous episode, we talked about that man with leprosy, which when Jesus touched him, he healed him emotionally, not just physically. He brought him emotional healing. He was an untouchable, literally until God in the flesh, Jesus touched him and healed him. So that brought not just physical but emotional healing. The R in super is for relational healing, which we'll get into later as well. But we all have needs for relational healing with one another. Now I'm not talking about your relationship with God. I'm talking about relationship with your, your dad or your mom, or how how you're going to deal with your sibling, or your boss, or your former boss, et cetera, or your ex-wife, all this stuff, all the things. But today, I want to do something a little different. Instead of just telling the story, I want to read the story, and then I want to use your imagination. I want you to use your emotions, your empathy to enter into and experience this story. So let's go to Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching. through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories. You probably don't know, or even necessarily care for that matter, but I've written five books, uh, two fiction for youth, and I have several more that are right now unfinished, including one that the key scene of the book is tied into that story that I just shared. I just love it. So God willing, you uh, help me write it, Lord. That would be a joy. Let's tap in now to our imagination to experience and enter into the story. First, let me ask you this. What might it be like to be paralyzed? Yeah, I'm going right for the hard stuff right away. Have you been paralyzed? Even temporarily? Or do you know someone who's been paralyzed? As I'm saying those, I'm thinking of people in my life that I have known who were paralyzed. Have you ever been partially incapacitated, or can you just imagine for a moment what it might be like? Paralyzed, completely dependent upon others. Now, with medical advances today, it is not always that way, but you can at least imagine for this man that we're talking about, that he is unable to move without another person or two or more helping him. Can you just think about that for a moment? You wake up, you need help getting up. You need help brushing your hair, your teeth, getting clean for the day, getting dressed, going to the bathroom, being moved to another room so someone can feed you and give you a drink. Your freedom is taken away. What is it like to be that paralyzed man? Now, we've already finished the story. You may be like, but he gets healed. How lucky is he to experience that kind of miracle? But you need to pause and really think about that day before the healing, that week before the healing, that month before the healing, the year or years before the healing, We really don't know much about this man. How did he become paralyzed? Was it a fall? Was it an illness? We don't know, but we need to imagine how hard it must have been for that man. So we ask questions, even ones we're not going to get answers until we are in heaven and we go up and talk to that man from Luke chapter 5. But we ask questions because we are entering into the story. So I ask this. Who heard first about Jesus? Word was spreading about this man, Jesus, who was healing the blind, the lame, those with fevers, the lepers, and this man. They were hearing about this man from Nazareth who was driving out demons. These kinds of miracles were happening, and that was unusual, except for this miracle man, Jesus. So who heard? Was it the man? Was it his friends? I'm picturing a discussion around a dinner table where a friend of the paralyzed man is on duty. Now, it may not have felt like a duty, but that day it might have perhaps it was this friend's turn. It was his number to visit their paralyzed friend, to feed him dinner, to give him company. I'm completely imagining here, of course. I'm just wondering and wandering into the story. I picture this friend feeding the paralyzed buddy his bread and his fruit and conversation turns. Hey, there's a teacher from Nazareth, this visiting friend says. People say he's healing all kinds of diseases, blind even, lame. Hey, here's a crazy thought. Now, again, we just don't know, but we can ask the question, Of you, if you had been the paralyzed person and you have a friend who's telling you about this new miracle man, would you feel hope arise within your soul? Or would skepticism shoot it down? Would you protest? I don't believe it. There's no way. But your friend has seen your helplessness. You are powerless. Your friend just wants to help. So, not so fast, he says. I heard from Joel that his mom was cured of a high fever, like she was really sick. (laughs) If you're the paralyzed man, you might be like, psh, high fever. Brother, look at me, dude. I am paralyzed. This ain't no fever, man. No, man, listen to me, your friend says. It's not just Joel. Joe's cousin Mark's innkeeper's Martha's friend Michael was lame and could barely walk, and this Jesus of Nazareth healed him. Psh, look at me. Can I barely walk? Did I fail to mention that I'm paralyzed? Did you not notice that I have no use of my hands? That is why you are feeding me. The friend says, you don't think he could heal you? No, I don't. Maybe it's worth a try, says your friend. Don't bother. I just think it's worth a try. What do you have to lose, right? If you're the paralyzed man, maybe you would still protest and say, what do I have to lose? You take me to this man. He could tell everybody around how I'm a sinner that deserves this disease, this paralysis. He could fail to heal me. That's what I have to lose. So what do you think? I just wonder how it all went down. What if that one friend went back to the other friends? How many friends were there? I'm going to guess at least four, but maybe as many as six. We're guessing here. We're trying to figure it out. Any less than four, I think, would be hard to carry that man that I'm picturing. Any more than six would be kind of awkward shuffling around carrying him, right? So what if that one friend went back and had a talk with the other buddies and they thought about it, thought about uh, their friend, powerless, helpless? What if them had a personality? In your group of friends, there may be one who is kind of an activator, Who just is a man of action. It's just, all right, let's go. Let's just do it. Let's not talk about it a lot. Doesn't ask a lot of questions. Just goes for it. What if that friend says, Friday, we go to his house. We ask him if he wants us to take him to the miracle man. And if he says no, he chuckles here. We take him anyway. When he said that, others would laugh, too. That's how it goes. And one of the friends, because thank you, God, there's always a sensible one in the group, says, guys, we can't just take him against his will. That's not cool. But the activator says, dude, we're getting him to the miracle man one way or another. He can say yes or no. Either way, this is happening. I'm just imagining is all. I'm trying to understand these friends and how this incredible thing happened. You know, we talked with Mandisa earlier this year, and she shared about her depression. Man, she was real and authentic, and uh, she just opened up about how her depression can be debilitating. Depression, she talked about when you go dark, you know what? It can be paralyzing. You can't get out of bed. She talked about it. You can order DoorDash for your food. You don't even have to get out of the house. You don't want to see anybody? You don't have to. There's different kinds of paralysis, isn't there? Fear. Fear can keep you on the couch. Fear can keep you from moving. Fear of failure. Fear of what others might think if you take a stand for Jesus. If you do what Jesus is trying to tell you to do, that can be sometimes fearful. Fear can be paralyzing. Defeat, rejection can all be paralyzing. Mandisa's closest friends, she told us, got her, dragged her to a Bible study. If she's in that dark place, that's what they do. And that's what Mandisa encouraged us to do, help our friends, check on them. Paralysis can take all kinds of forms. So I pray that either A, you have friends like this paralyzed man had. Even if I've got my imagination all wrong, which happens plenty, and maybe it was the man's idea, Hey, get me to this miracle, man. Get me to him. Maybe it was. Even if so, this man needed dedicated, loving friends who would carry him. So I pray that you realize today you do have friends like that. And if you don't, I pray for you that Jesus brings you those kinds of friends, whether in a life group at your church or a teammate or a classmate. I pray that. But B, are you that kind of friend for somebody else? I pray that you can be that way for someone else. Would you carry your friend to Jesus? And if not literally today, would you pray and picture yourself carrying your friend to Jesus? Maybe Jesus is going to bring someone to your mind right now who needs your help and needs your prayers right now. And then you can put it into action later, but you can pray for them, walking them to Jesus if you're not carrying them. And kicking and screaming, if necessary, I know. Picture that as you pray. Let Jesus bring someone to your mind. Now let's get back to our friends. Do they show up at the man's house? Do they ask him or tell him, hey, you're going to see the miracle man today? What do you think? Does he agree happily or not at all? Do they clean him up, pick up his mat, and start walking? How long is the walk? Is Jesus a mile away? Three miles? Ten miles I don't think he was just a football field away. I don't think he was just down the street. I suspect that they had hiked quite a ways. What would you do to get someone to Jesus? What are you willing to do? I think it was a long distance because if it was short, when they showed up and they saw that huge crowd surrounding the house and realized there's no way to get through the crowd, they might have just decided, well, we'll just go home. We'll try for another day. I feel like they ventured a long way and were like, no. We're not done yet. You ever show up somewhere expecting to get in and the venue is sold out? I know, not so much these days because you buy online so much. But is, is it ever so crowded that you can't get anywhere? Think of a crowd. I want you to picture this crowd. Now, I bet Garth Brooks over Green Hall, I wasn't there, but I bet it had to feel like that a little bit on Monday. Uh, a few years ago, we watched the USA play Mexico in a soccer match in the Alamo Dome, a so-called friendly And it was so crowded leaving that you could barely move. It was just people all around you, and you just inched along the way. There was really nowhere to go. Shoot, even in the worst bowl, the the game between New Braunfels High School and Canyon High School. As a youth pastor, this was last Friday, with students and families on both sides, my wife and I did what sometimes we do. We sat on the Canyon Cougar side, the visiting side for the first half, and then moved the home side, the New Braunfels Unicorns, If you're not local here, yes, they are the unicorns. And it was so crowded on the home side, we could not get to our seats. We couldn't do it. We gave up trying to get to our seats, but not these friends, these anonymous, unnamed friends who carry their paralyzed friend to hopefully get healed by Jesus, show up and see a hopeless situation. Do they say, well, sorry, I guess it's just not God's will. I mean, literally, this is a closed door. They cannot get in the house. Like we pray for God to open the door. And in this situation, the door is shut. It's not open. You can't even get there to knock on it. These friends could have easily said, oh, crud. Sorry, bud. It's not going to work out. In fact, I bet someone did say something like that. Because in the group dynamics, there's somebody who's thinking that too. You look at it, you assess, and you realize it's just not happening. Sorry, buddy. Another could have been the I told you so guy. In fact, I'll bet you a chocolate ice donut. mm, Just made myself hungry. That one of the friends, when they walked up and realized there was no way in, said, guys, I hate to be the one to say I told you so. Those guys are always the guys who love to tell you they told you so, actually. But I did say we needed to leave extra early to beat the crowds. I bet they tried to make their way up front when they got there. Like, how did the crowd not give way? Excuse us. We've got a paralyzed man here. Can you let us through? But no, it was not happening that day. There must have been a bunch of sick people because no one was taking any pity and letting them cut the line. It was a perfect time to give up and go home. But there was definitely one guy, because again, there's one in every group who said, No way. I am not hiking back home without at least this guy, our friend, seeing the miracle man. No way. It's not going to happen. Somebody's going to say, well, we can't get to him. We're stuck. We're helpless. We're powerless. There is zero way to get through that door. The man smirks, laughs. laughs. We're not going through that door. What? Huh? We're going through the roof. Pick him up. Let's go. Man, Here's to persistence. Here's to thinking outside the box. Here's to mayhem. (laughs) You know, the TV commercials during every college football game, better protected from mayhem like me. Meaning in this case, what home insurance covers, (laughs) would it cover a bunch of friends who see a closed door, a closed opportunity, and look for another way in, who take the stairs up the roof and will do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus, making a hole in the roof? That's mayhem. Hey, here's a thought. If you're on a roof that you can make a hole big enough to let your friend be lowered down, you're probably at risk yourself falling through that roof. They don't care. They're going to get to the miracle man. They will get it done. Through the tiles, the man is lowered right in front of Jesus. And did you catch it when we read it? When Jesus sees their faith meaning the faith of those friends, amazing. Not the faith of the paralyzed man, but when Jesus sees their faith, the faith of those friends, he says to that man, friend, your sins are forgiven. Mm. Hey, here's another thought. You come to Jesus for one request, for one thing, for one hope, for one desire, Whatever that may be, in this case, it is to be physically healed, and Jesus has an answer that you're not even thinking about, haven't even dreamed up. Nothing about that day leads us to think that this paralyzed man was thinking, you know what I'd really like to happen today is to be forgiven my sins. Nope. I love how in scripture and in general with God, we might want one thing to happen, and Jesus has a more important answer, a better reply. Yes, you and I know this man is also going to get his desire for physical healing, but we see here back to our super healing, that S, that spiritual healing is the most important healing. How often in scripture we will see someone who is physically healed and it not lead to spiritual healing. It not lead to relationship with Jesus. It not lead to forgiveness of sins. It not lead to all those things. It not lead to eternal life. But here... We see Jesus respond to a group of rebel friends, roof breaking through friends, who don't take a closed door for a no, who will get their friend to Jesus and Jesus sees their faith and says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Mm. What's your request of Jesus today? What would you ask of Jesus? What do you want for him to do for you? Do you ask him to change your circumstances? Raise your hand. My, I'm raising both of mine. That's what I do. Take away my problem. Calgom, do it. Jesus, do it. Of course I do that. We do. We all do, right? But sometimes Jesus first wants to take care of something better. For that man, forgiveness of sin, spiritual healing was priority one for Jesus. For you today, maybe Jesus' idea of what you need most is something else than just removing the problem though I sure wish that was the answer a bunch of times. Maybe today Jesus gives you his peace despite your problems, despite your circumstances. Maybe Jesus says, peace I give you, but not peace like the world does. My peace is real power. Maybe today you want the problem deleted, defeated, and Jesus just reminds you, I am undefeated. I won't be stopped from taking this hard situation and turning it into something for your good. I won't be undefeated. I'm creative. Like those friends thinking outside the box, Jesus has a solution that's different, but it gets the results. Maybe today you're like, I've been sometimes. Jesus, come on. Come through. And instead of instant change, you might just get a word, a promise, a challenge. Trust. Praise me. Maybe you're feeling paralyzed by fear, by insecurity, by anxiety, by depression. Maybe Jesus says, Be a blessing. Maybe Jesus says, Don't give up. Maybe Jesus just says, I love you, daughter. I love you back to our story. And yes, Jesus knows the thoughts of the skeptics, the critics, the haters. Jesus knows what they're thinking. Who does this guy think he is forgiving people? Only God can do that. That's right. Religious leaders, only God look in front of your eyes. Jesus isn't denying it. He's not correcting you because he knows he is God in the flesh authorized to forgive your sins. You know, That might be the reminder you need today. You come for one thing, but Jesus is here to say to you, friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, friend, your sins are forgiven. Meanwhile, the haters, the skeptics, the critics, they always seem to miss the point. So Jesus says, what's easier to say the word you are forgiven or to heal this man? Obviously to say those words. But Jesus is in fact authorized to forgive that man's sins and to forgive yours. But really more as a proof to those haters, Jesus says, okay, to the man, friend, take up your mat, go home. The healed man, as you know, got up and went home praising God. Whatever you realize today, Jesus has done for you, forgiven you, spoke to you, reassured you, challenged you. You can obey what he says to do. One simple step may activate the next. He is with you. Fear not and go on and praise him. Those friends were very bold and Jesus saw their faith. He liked their faith. It sure got Jesus' attention that day. Maybe today you do something that is bold and outside the box and it gets Jesus' attention. Why don't you do something a little different for Jesus today? Be very bold. I am Steve Teal for Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Join me again next week as we talk to American Ninja Warrior Daniel Gill. You don't want to miss that. Subscribe to the podcast or catch the Facebook Live. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, just go out there and be very bold.
0: Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal. Bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.